Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Football Social Daily, Premier League podcast. It's the time for goodwill to all men and peace on earth. But hang on, what's that oddly shaped present under the Christmas tree? Happy holidays, it's the repackaged European Super League. But will the selection box of Premier League clubs that try to put coal in the stocking of English football be back for another bite of the poison apple? Has the footballing equivalent of Ebenezer Scrooge done what the old codger did? and reform for the better. Strap into your sleighs, it's about to get bumpy on today's Football Social Daily, the award-winning Premier League podcast. My name's Niall, and these two are Joel Tudor and Marley Anderson. How you doing, boys? Morning, yep, not too bad. Very good. Getting closer to the Christmas day. The big man, the big man's coming to arrive, and that's Kevin McAllister from Home Alone. That, I'm sure that's Alexis's <laughs> brother as well, Kevin McAllister. <laughs> oh, oh, we're talking about that one. Well, Nottingham Forest fans got Santo Claus, didn't they, the other day, in place of Steve Cooper? I literally thought of that pun just as we finished recording. It really just edged away <laughs> me all evening. I was like, wow, that was the perfect opener for yesterday. But Santa Claus is coming to Forest. Right. You mentioned Christmas dinner, Joel. What goes on a Christmas dinner? I feel like this is a debate we need to have because this is the final podcast before the 25th of December. So we may as well. What goes on a Christmas dinner? Five non-negotiables. I want them, Joel. Non-negotiables. So a person who knows how to prepare the turkey well and is moist and is not drier than the Sahara, of of course. I mean, I'm very partial to a bit of beef on the side if it's on offer, but beggars can't be choosers sometimes if it's not on offer. Yorkshire puddings, I think, are essential. Roast potatoes, so that's three. I really like red cabbage. It's got a bit of like a balsamic kind of twang to it. I like it. 
That goes on the side. That's four. And then just absolute lashings of gravy. Give me a jug of it. I'll be like Sam Allardyce just popping it down. I feel like you get the gravy complimentary. So you can have another item. I mean, when it comes to vegetables and that kind of thing, I'm a bit... Just like sweet carrots or something, you know, like honey glazed carrots, you know, on the side. Just that, that's my five. That's my five. Tell me if you disagree or agree. I'm willing to debate for the whole podcast. Well, I'm not so sure about the red cabbage, mate. I'm not going to lie. Not so sure about that. Marley's, I could guess Marley's. I reckon Marley's is turkey, pigs in blankets, stuffing, and anything else meaty <laughs> processed in northern. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Can't believe it. I've never heard anyone say red cabbage on a. On a non-negotiable Christmas dinner, you absolute weirdo, Joel. Jesus. Have you no? But have you had it before with it? Mate, I'm northern. That's it. I know. I haven't. Well, it's not. It's not a southern thing. It's just a thing you have on yeah, your plate. Yeah, but I'm surprised you didn't say prawns. That's for starters. Don't worry about that, Marley. Oh, that is get, that's getting sneaked in, regardless. Marley, you've probably got peas pudding on yours or something like that, haven't you? Oh no, I can't have that. It's horrible. <laughs> Right, that's enough. I've had enough talking about Christmas dinner. It's making me hungry and we've got a lot to get stuck into actually on today's Football Social Daily. The reason we were talking about what we have on our plates on the 25th of December is because right now English football's got another situation on its plate. A few years on from the debacle that was the European Super League, after a ruling in European court earlier today, it has been announced that there is revamped plans for the European Super League to once again make an appearance. Now, just a reminder of what the former European Super League looked like. It was an absolute shambles. Basically, it was all of the top clubs in Europe wanted to close the shop, break away from UEFA competition like the Champions League and keep all of the money in-house. There would have been no promotion or relegation. It would have simply been the biggest clubs in Europe playing against each other a few times a season. Now, English football fans rallied against this hugely. So that was the landscape maybe, I want to say, two or three years ago when European Super League first reared its ugly head. What do you understand about these new proposals, Joel? Because you've been doing a little bit of research into this after the announcement today. Well, funnily enough, as we've just been speaking, Manchester United, Bayern Munich, Atletico Madrid, literally every single European club have now come out and dismissed it and said, we support European UEFA competitions. So I don't even know if it's even a point even talking about it now, because it seems like the majority of the clubs that were in question no longer want it. But the actual format that got released by A22, which are the company who are the ones basically backing it, they proposed the 64 team almost torn not tournament tree but a league tree of three divisions a star a gold and a blue where it would include promotions and relegations so if you didn't do well in your star league you would get relegated to the gold league and so on if you did well in your domestic competitions that would give you a promotion and that kind of thing so it was based on merit in a sense but there was just a lot of flaws about it and I think the main reason it's come around is to try and bridge that gap between the Premier League and the rest of Europe now because in essence the Premier League is becoming in itself a bit of a super league in terms of the fact that you know you can get Bournemouth being able to cherry pick the likes of Monaco or some of the top teams in Spain like Valencia of the 2000s this is the the situation now Although when you think about it on merit, I mean, in my opinion, I like to see the fact that Galatasaray are in the Champions League based on merit as much as Paris Saint-Germain are based in the Champions League. They both earn the right to actually be there. And I know it forces all the teams to play. This is why I think it's quite an attractive proposition because, for example, the teams that are in the top tier of the league is all the top European teams, so they would have to play each other. So it'd be a Bayern Munich against PSG, it'd be a Real Madrid against Barcelona. And... Obviously, that bring in a way more 
bigger pot of revenue for these clubs. But the main reason why the Super League didn't happen in the first place is because fans didn't want it. It wasn't because there was no law against it. It's because the fans didn't want it. And that's why you've seen all these clubs come out now and say, we don't want it because we all just talked briefly before the podcast. If they were to back this again, it'd be the same situation again, where the fans would be going against their club. We saw loads of executives resign on the first time round because they didn't want it. And they were having all these secret meetings in restaurants, trying to find a way to come together. And it was just a shambles, like you just mentioned. Maybe if they rolled it out like this in the first place, it actually might've been a little bit better received, but it was the fact that they just plonked it on everyone. We're changing the scape of football and everyone was suddenly really hesitant towards it. But I think there's a deeper issue that actually needs to be solved here, which is UEFA and FIFA, I don't think are fit to run or govern football and they've proven it time and time again. And that's why I encourage competition like this, but only in the right way. And I also remember distinctly saying, this is not the last we've seen of the European Super League. This idea is not dead. It should be dead with the way that it was completely opposed by every single football fan I can think of. But like a zombie, it rises up from the ground, puts itself back together. And here we are again. We've got European Super League V2. So I guess it's not a shock. This day was always going to come. Yeah. And I've, um, I was, I'd pretty much forgotten about it, me and, and moved on. And, but yeah, they seem to be, um, determined to, to launch it in some sort of way. Um, even though now teams are putting out statements saying, well, we're not going to make that mistake again because we've seen how it goes down. So I don't really, I don't really see the point in, in any of it, to be honest. I think we've, we've basically revamped the Champions League off the back of the Super League thing. We've essentially got a Super League style format anyway coming in next year in the Champions League. Um, except I think the only difference is it's not a closed shop. It's, you can qualify for it as you, as you should, but yeah, I don't know. It's just, can you not just leave this, lads? Like, is is football broken? I I don't really, I don't really think football's broken. I get that historical teams wanna wanna protect their money and uh, and their investments and that type of thing, but it's not right for the spirit of competition that you you keep bringing this back. Of do you wanna do you all wanna go and you know create our own little tournament? And it's like, well, that just defeats the point of football, like. Teams should be allowed to qualify off their own backs. Because that, I mean, if you think of like Newcastle, for example, qualifying for the Champions League last year, like loads of planning and strategy has to go into that. You, you don't just like get it, you know. So they've got to plan, they've got to get the right manager, right players in the, in the, um, in the squad, you know, the right infrastructure of the club. And then they can put themselves in a position to go and qualify for, for the Champions League and, and, you know, potentially go through and, and what have you. So, like, to to sort of go against that just defeats the point of everything for me. I've, I've never, never understood why it even came about. We've mentioned this on the podcast loads of times, and actually every time a Premier League club is up for sale and an American investment firm comes in to take over, we spoke about it with Everton maybe a month or two ago, We've always been quite cautious and fair, I think, in our assessments of the American capitalism model in English football. Because our game is so traditional and historic and has a legacy that has been there for over 100 years, which maybe doesn't exist in things like the NFL or the NHL, for example, Joel, 
Do you think that maybe that is sometimes difficult for foreign investors to understand? In the NFL, there's no promotion and relegation and the profitability is kept in-house. Whereas you have sporting merit in our league. If you finish bottom of the table, you go down. There's jeopardy involved. And I think that that's that's still going to be there because you've still got the same people in and around the game as you had two and a half years ago when the first proposals came up. So I wonder what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, and I can understand the sentiment, to be honest, because I was looking at a league table of the most valuable leagues in the world. And of course, the American leagues, the NFL, the NBA, the baseball league, they're all worth way more than the Premier League. And that is because it's a closed house. I mean, you can move your franchise to a new city. Can you imagine Manchester United being moved to a new city? <laughs> there'd, be, there'd be civil war. And these are the teams that are followed in, in the States by millions of people in you know New York and New Jersey and all these different places getting moved around. And that's why I understand their perspective because they're seeing it from their own eyes and they can only view it from their own eyes, which is our league's worth this much. You're getting viewers that are this much. The maths isn't adding up. I mean, they're probably looking at the figures of the viewing figures around the world on football, on European football, and thinking, how how is our American sports worth this much and you still can't get any more out of it? And I can understand that for sure. But the difference is, is that in European football and, you know, football in general, to be honest, even if you look in South America, it's all the same in terms of the fact that they're so ingrained in our culture and in our local societies that they're almost untouchable. And that's why when you get someone from the outside who then comes in and thinks they can start changing the rules of the game, it's almost like an attack on the society then and an attack on that local culture because you're almost attacking the people because the people are the ones who actually built these clubs. And so that's probably why there's a little bit of conflict in terms of owners coming over and thinking they can change the landscape when it can't be done. And I think it's important to emphasize as well, like I've mentioned previously, that UEFA and FIFA are a massive stain on football. And even though the ECA, the European uh, Court of Arbitration, have come out and said that this ruling doesn't mean that they endorse the European Super League, I also like the fact that they're showing that UEFA are anti-competition. They want everything their way. They want to implement their rules. They want all the revenues. They want everything coming to them without investing a penny into the sport. And let's not forget FIFA were probably the biggest mockery of sport back in, I think it was what, 2012, 2010, when Seth Platter and Michel Platini were going behind the scenes doing all their dirty business, basically staying in football. So there's, there's a lot of issues with it. But again, just coming back to the point you've made, it is... The fact that it is difficult, I think, for people who've not grown up around European football to understand that these are cultural commodities. You can't touch them. They are literally untouchable. And that's why I think with these kind of formats like the Super League, it, it is almost offensive in a sense. But then I do think when you look at the teams that actually want this, Barcelona and Juventus, they're the teams that mismanage their own finances. So, right... Yeah, I mean, you look at Barcelona. Yeah, Barcelona last summer. How many how many pieces of their club were they selling off just to stay afloat? That's not Manchester United's fault. That's not the Premier League's fault. That's their, their ownership's fault. Yeah, and also I want to make it clear that obviously we can only really speak from the perspective of Premier League supporters and of the six teams that broke away to try and form the European Super League initially. Tottenham are American-owned. Manchester United are American-owned. Chelsea are now American-owned. Arsenal are American-owned, Liverpool are American-owned. The only one that isn't is Manchester City. So as much as it sounds like I'm being 
anti-American. That's not the case. I'm just saying that if you come from a background of American capitalism and you have familiarity with North American sport and how that works, they probably all got their heads together and they probably all know each other anyway, these American football club owners. And they thought, this is probably what we need to do to get ourselves a few more quid in the back pocket. And unfortunately for them, it didn't wash with the English football fans. Listen, this is a big breaking story on Football Social Daily today. Why do all these things always happen just before Christmas? We'll try and get our heads around it a little more next. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Football Social Daily, an award-winning Premier League podcast. My name's Niall, Joel Tudor's with me, so is Marley Anderson. And the European Super League is back. Well, it's revamped. A new proposal has been launched for a separate European competition away from the Champions League. And do you know what? Joel outlined some of the ways this new European Super League might work, Marley. There will be three tiers, as Joel mentioned. I think, what was it? Gold, silver and blue or something like that? Yeah, it sounds like a five-year-old's name. I think it's star, gold and blue. Star, gold and blue. I mean... Something you'd name your dogs. <laughs> yeah. It's like three boy bands from the mid-90s. I loved blue, by the way. What They've got some anthems. But it doesn't sound a great deal different. Is it a case of if it's not broke, don't fix it? Because there obviously are issues within UEFA and European football, as Joel mentioned before. Uh, I, yeah, I would, I would think so. I mean, I don't get why, why we're changing this, um, this thing. I mean, obviously the Super League thing came out of the blue, um, as a result of you know little secret meetings and and what have you, and all secret handshakes and little envelopes going backwards and forwards probably um and i you know i hate that but i think they changed the champions league in reaction to that and said like you know okay well if you think football needs changing then we'll do the champions league like this and i just think in the middle of it that it, it they've got worse because they've, they've turned the champions league into a league and leagues aren't as entertaining as cups. Like the sooner you get knockout football, the better um, 
a tournament is type of thing. So, but now I think in this new Champions League, we're gonna, you know, everybody plays whatever, how many, however many fixtures, ten, ten fixtures each or whatever. And then you've um, you've got the the knockouts at the end of it, like for the top eight or the top four or whatever, competing a semi final. I just think that's a bit crap, to be honest. I'm glad Newcastle got into the old Champions League like this year because I just feel like that's that's the end of it as we know it. Um, now, you know, going forward, I, I think less people will be will be bothered by by the Champions League, and that's a shame, really, because it is just a reaction to the Super League, and it probably is better than the Super League um, because you know you've got it's not a closed shop type of thing, but it is just one of those situations that's been forced upon UEFA like that and then they've kind of got to react and they've changed everything but I think it's going to be worse next season but it is what it is and they seem to be determined to change things for for the sake of it. Well the British government have got involved as well and they've said that they're going to bring forward some legislation to stop any English clubs joining a breakaway competition so that then does give a monopoly to the Premier League and to the EFL. I just think generally people just want things to be left as they are. It's worked for 125 years. The last one seemed like it had more oomph behind it, seemed like it had more substance. Clubs were on board. Whereas now we've seen within an hour or two of the announcement, clubs have placed their flag in the ground and made their positions clear. Yeah, the reason why it got so much lift off last time is because they forgot to get the sentiment of the fans. (laughs) They thought the fans were going to be on board and they're thinking, what a great idea. This is more money for my club. We're going to have a closed system. We're all going to play against Bayern Munich and Real Madrid every other week. Forgetting that the fans are what is almost the glue of football, isn't it? They forgot to consult and they just went behind closed doors, gave it out to everyone without doing the research, without thinking how would the fans, the people actually go to these games feel about this. And that's why we saw all those executives um, resign from their clubs because it was almost reputation done. You can't come back from that. You know, when we saw that picture of Ivan Gazidis, Joel Glazer, uh, Stan Kroenke's son, Mark Henry, not Mark Henry. Um, Mark Henry, yeah, Hen- John Henry. <laughs> John Henry, you know. Or- <laughs> <laughs> You're laughing because you Mark- said Mark Henry. But can you imagine if Mark Henry was the owner in Liverpool? <laughs> the wrestler coming in, he just, just came in, sat on the chair, like, all right, guys, I'm leathering you all if you don't do this uh, this deal. Um, yeah, Henry, the owner of Liverpool. <laughs> his name escapes me, his first name. Um, yeah, we saw that image of all them almost colluding going to the restaurant together you know doing all things behind closed doors but these people are still there they still own these Premier League clubs and it's all and they're out of touch with the fans and it's all fallen on their executives we saw Ivan Gazidis leave we saw Ed Woodward leave it's all fallen on the fall guys hasn't it where they go in the background and carry on and pretend like they never wanted it you know we've, we've just seen all of these stark statements come out from Manchester United Bayern Munich probably see it from the rest of the English clubs later today condemning the fact that they're even named in this let's not forget these clubs were the ones who wanted it they're not clean free also the fact that Infantino who was so you know threatening when it first came out as well forgetting that he's the one who's also creating a Super League like Marley's just said I hate the new format I think it's just them trying to stay away from the Super League and kind of dissuade everyone from the Super League but they also have to match it they're in competition now and the ECA have pretty much said that that UEFA can't just have a monopoly on football they don't own football football owns itself 
that's why you're allowed to see these new things come into play. But UEFA are going to bend over backwards for these clubs now. You'll probably see a difference in format, a difference in the money that they get. They're going to try and make it even more like the Super League, but not as the Super League. It's just such a dirty game when it comes to these organisations, honestly. And for me, I loved the format of the group stages. But when you've got a competitor like that, who's guaranteeing more games, more revenue, you've got a problem then, don't you? Because you can't not answer to it. Well, I don't think this is going to get off the ground. And I don't think it will be the last time either that we see some sort of reformed European Super League. It wasn't really much of a surprise this morning that the European Super League is back, albeit repackaged and in a slightly different guise. But I also think that it will not get off the ground now after the way things were dealt with the first time around. That's it for the European Super League chat. There is Premier League football tonight, lads. Brighton against Crystal Palace. A derby game. Well, not a derby game as such, more a rivalry, I think is the right way to put it. And I think that Crystal Palace and Brighton supporters would happily correct me and say that it's a rivalry, not a derby. Thursday night football kind of marks the start of the Christmas calendar, I guess. Marley, with Palace against Brighton, this is the start of Christmas football every day. This this is the start of Crimbo Limbo, where nobody knows what day it is. Nobody knows what day <laughs> it is. And you're just sort of thinking, is it is it Turkey Day today? Is it Stuffing Day today? Yeah, nearly. Um, I mean, I'm. Uh, this is my last day in work, and I think it's is it yours as well. But you know, once once you're out of office, goes on at the end of this day, you don't know what day date it is until you come back on January the second, and it's that uh, it's that sort of time of year where there's football on every day, and you're like, oh, great football today, and you look, and it's Crystal Palace, Brighton, and you think, whoa. How much do I want to watch football? Do do I want to watch Crystal Palace and Brighton? And you know the the two sets of fans giving it to each other about how they're the biggest team in either side of the M twenty three. And it's like ah, oh, I don't really care about it to be honest. Um, so it is what it is. Is it a derby? Is it a rivalry? Do I do I care? Not really. Um, it might be a decent game, but yeah, it's just it's that festive period starting now. I completely forgot about this game. Uh, I'll be honest, but it is that uh, that game week where everybody loses interest in um, in the fantasy football because they miss they miss a game week because uh, they can't work out which uh, when when one week starts and they miss the transfers and that type of stuff. So it's uh, I like it though. Well, it's Palace against Brighton tonight, and I I don't really know what else to say <laughs> about this game, Joel. I don't know if you have any immediate thoughts. I don't want to sound too disrespectful to either club involved, but it's just quite difficult to get enthusiastic about this one tonight. And I don't know why, because it might end up being a cracker. You never know. Palace had a really good result against Manchester City last time out. Do you remember when I said in that episode, there's three teams that cause Manchester City problems and Palace are one of them. They have got Manchester City's numbers so badly when it comes to playing them at the Etihad. Even though probably overall City probably battered them in the majority. But every time I watch them, they just seem to have a really contrasting style, which troubles City. It's strange. Mm. But but they're not playing Brighton, City tonight. They're playing Brighton. And Palace have only won four games all season they've not won in the last five yes they got a draw against City but they've not been in good form really and they'll still finish 12th <laughs> they could they could lose the next 15 games and they will finish 12th I'm certain of it it's strange with Brighton because they're no longer the flavour of the season as we always have become accustomed to it feels like they've kind of just faded into the background I don't know if it's because some of their key players went in the summer Moises Casado and McAllister but it feels like to me we've got a new 
honking town, which is Aston Villa, that everyone are paying their attentions to. And Brighton are almost just kind of going about the business in the background. The Zerbi's not really getting talked about too much anymore. It's like that meme, isn't it, where where the guy's holding hands with his girlfriend yeah. and looking looking elsewhere like it was Brighton and now it's now it's Aston Villa yeah everyone's looking at Unai Emery like damn that Spaniard's looking a bit better than that Italian guy that came in last time so you know what maybe it's a good thing for Brighton because they have been under the spotlight for quite a while they've got the uh, the Europa League campaign which is in full flow as well who knows they might end up coming above Aston Villa in the end and have the last laugh so let's see but Brighton are still regardless I think they're over overachieving massively with respects to what they spend and the size of the club they are. But yeah, I don't anticipate it to be the most enthralling match tonight. Well, I'm not sure too many people anticipated Liverpool absolutely romping over West Ham last night, winning 5-1 at Anfield. But the result and David Moyes' dodgy team selection with silverware potentially up for grabs is not the big talking point. Actually, it's our old friend Jurgen Klopp, Marley, that we're going to discuss now because after the game in the press conference, he was complaining about something. That's not the shock. The shock is he was complaining about the Anfield atmosphere. Has he been listening to Football Social Daily? Has he been listening to me chuck the Anfield atmosphere in the sea from Monday? Because he said he wasn't happy with it. And actually, he said something which I don't think struck the right tone at this time of year in particular. He said, if you're not in the mood to go and you're not feeling it, give your ticket to someone else. And I just don't know whether that was a wise comment to make. What did you make of Jurgen Klopp's attack on the Anfield crowd? Typical sort of... Klopp? Like, <laughs> Typical Klopp? <laughs> yeah. He wants to live in this perfect world where the atmosphere is amazing every week. Um, I think with the amount of um, narrative now around how Liverpool's atmosphere isn't that good, I think people are starting to actually realise that. Like, it... it just it genuinely isn't that good. It's it's okay. It's not amazing. It it has been on European nights in the final, in you know years gone by. But yeah, these days it's not so much. Um, and we've said that before, and and we we've got a point. And you know Klopp has has realised it as well. But for me, the thing that wound me up and why why I sort of said that he lives in a a wannabe perfect world is. You know, if you don't feel like coming, just give your ticket to a mate. You can't do that. <laughs> it's like at Newcastle, for example, and it's the same as Liverpool because I've seen Liverpool fans comment on it saying, Jürgen, do you know how hard it is to give a ticket to a friend? Because the club are just... Every club now has such processes in place to, you know, to make sure tickets aren't going to touts that you can't just give your ticket to someone. Like, it's... You know they have to track it, and you have to put it on the, like the the, the reselling sites if they've got them at your club and stuff like that. And it's just you can't. It's not as simple as just turning up to a ground and saying, "Oh, you know, I'll meet you there with the ticket," because you know your ticket's got your friggin' ID number and everything. Yeah, all of that. Yeah, sort of like stuff. your footprint, your technological footprint all over. It's like F- off. This isn't football anymore. Like yeah, but you know what? I think part of his frustration. And without kind of defending Jurgen Klopp, because I do think that was quite a tone-deaf comment, particularly, as I said, at this time of year when kids will be getting Liverpool tickets for Christmas, no doubt, on the 25th when they wake up. And parents may have slaved particularly hard to try and get hold of them. So I think that it was pretty silly of him to make that comment now. But I actually watched 10 minutes the other day, just because it was on as I was flicking through the channels on the telly, of 
RB Leipzig against Werder Bremen in the Bundesliga. And I thought, you know what? The atmosphere is pretty good here. But then again, I remember beers, four euros. Tickets are 20 euros. The quality of the game, by the way, was absolutely abysmal. It was shocking. But the atmosphere was good because they've got their model right. And the Premier League, we can't be... We touched upon it earlier. The Premier League is a giant in terms of riches and resources. But with that, there is a trade-off. You lose the element of the working class supporter... And if you try and attract fans that are tourists or day trippers that are willing to pay the big bucks to come into stadiums, you're not going to get the same atmosphere. Yeah, it's the, the Premier League is a victim of its own success, isn't it? You can't have both. You just touched on it, which is the main reason of the issue. Jurgen Klopp comes from Dortmund. If anyone's seen Dortmund or been to the Dortmund uh, Signal Iduna Stadium, every single game, regardless of the weather, regardless of anything that goes on, it is pumping with atmosphere there. But that's because the tickets are affordable. It's not as touristic as the Premier League. Everything's reasonably priced. And the model's correct of the uh, the 49-51 rule. In the Premier League, like you've just mentioned at the start, it's a Premier League problem. It's gone so big and out of control. And it's outpricing the local fans. Because let's not forget, the, the people who go to the Dortmund games are people from Dortmund or people who are in the surrounding areas. The people who go to all the top Premier League games now are the top clubs, like we'll probably see with Liverpool, Manchester United, uh, Chelsea. They're people who are coming from far, far away to come and see the game. And by the way, I have no problem with that whatsoever. I think it's great to see loads of uh, foreign fans coming to see the game. But the consequence of that is it has an influence on the atmosphere. It's just normal. And it is a shame. And that's why I think Klopp's a little bit tone deaf in his remarks because... I know he comes from Dortmund, but it's a very different system over here now. I think if you looked at a Premier League game maybe 20, 30 years ago, it would be as it is in Germany, where you had the local fans, a lot of the young local fans, all in, for example, the Stratford end, and it is just them. Now you go in the Stratford end, for, for example, and you look to your left and your right, and you're probably seeing people from all corners of the world. And I want to emphasize again, that's not a problem, but it's the consequence of the Premier League becoming so big, and it's something that... I don't think it's irreversible, but I think clubs have a have a responsibility to try and shape and mould the atmosphere. For example, standing sections, singing sections, they've trialled yep. it and it works at I the start. I think some work is being done to combat bit. that. Yeah, yeah. It fills us out slightly, though. There needs to be something in place, though. Clubs definitely have a responsibility in that regard. It has its positives, but it also has its negatives. And one of the positives coming up in the next few days is that Joel, Marley and I will get to spend some time with our families over the Christmas period. One of the negatives means that we won't be bringing you any podcasts until after Christmas is done. We will next be back on Football Social Daily on the 27th of December. So hit subscribe or follow on your favourite podcast platform and that way you won't miss it. We're going to enjoy a short break and try and get our heads around the amount of festive Premier League football that there is. It's going to be tough starting tonight with Brighton against Crystal Palace. Marley, I'll give you a chance just before we finish to let everyone know what your final two Christmas dinner items were. Turkey stuffing, pigs in blankets, I think you had. So there's your three. And gravy counts for free. So there's your three. Oh, do you know what? If you gave me just a plate of those three, I'd be I'd be quite happy. Um, but <laughs> but no, Yorkshire, Yorkshire pudding's got to be in there. Roast potatoes, surely? Or are, they in, or are they in the similar category to gravy, which is almost automatic? I feel like... I feel like they're too close to Yorkshire puddings, but I I would probably go for them. Yeah, you've got to have you've got to have them. 
sprouts can get in the bin. Don't like them. Don't like sprouts. But my sister-in-law makes makes uh, Christmas dinner, and she puts sprouts in every flipping meal. So, and the drink, Asti, 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 quite like an Asti at Christmas, yeah. Nah, sorry, you've lost me there. Why, Asti? Asti? Yeah, just a nice little fizzy thing. Can't drink beer all day. Beer's fizzy. Yeah, but no, like a like a fizzy sort of a poshy champagne type thing. Well, we get one where you can pop your pinky finger up when you drink it. Yeah, that's that's like five percent. It's like juice. You can you can drink it all day, man. It's fine. Can't be drinking. Can't can't crack open a San Miguel at flipping half nine in the morning and and expect expect. Oh yes, you can. It's the only day of the year that you can do that. No, no, I'm I'm on the fizzy stuff now. More more recently, anyway, since I cut since I turned. All right. Okay. Well, do you know what? I'm going to drop a bombshell in this podcast right now and say that I think sprouts should be one of your five non-negotiables. Not because they're good, but because it's the only time of year that you have sprouts. Even if you don't eat them, they've got to be on the plate. You say Yorkshire puddings, turn it into a Sunday roast, Joel. What turns it into a Christmas dinner is the presence of sprouts. Whether you eat them or not, that's a different debate, but it's only Christmas dinner (laughs) if there's a truckload of sprouts on the plate. Pompey don't deserve promotion. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't mean that, I'm joking. That's you confirmed as having a lump of coal for Christmas. <laughs> That's your Christmas present. Um, and I hope you guys, whatever you're doing, whether you celebrate Christmas or not, enjoy the time with your families, friends and loved ones. That's it from us on Football Social Daily. We'll see you soon. Football Social Daily is a voice work sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.